Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. The Indiana U- University men's soccer team entered Tuesday's match against Butler that I had the honor of calling on the Big Ten Network as the number two team in the country, according to the recently released United Soccer Coaches Division One men's soccer rankings. Indiana is always right there, right? I mean, as Eddie Cotton wrote in his lead over a month ago, and a great article that you can still find on the HoosierNetwork.com under the headline written like this, quote, Andrew Gutman, the journey from under-recruited to under to unforgotten. Mr. Cotton's opening stanzas in this HoosierNetwork.com article read like this. Indiana men's soccer has seemingly always been defined by excellence. With eight national championships to the program's name, it's hard to expect anything different. Nearly since the program's inception, there has been elite talent at every position on the pitch in Bloomington. With that comes, unsurprisingly, highly recruited recruiting classes year after year. That influx of talent season after season is what makes the journey of one of the most electric players in the nation so intriguing. According to topdoorsoccer.com, Indiana winger Griffin Dorsey was the 18th best player in his recruiting class. Indiana forward Justin Rennicks was 30th, and Indiana forward Thomas War was 58th. On the Hoosiers roster, eight players have had some form of youth U.S. men's national team experience. Among all of that, the most heralded player on the Hoosier roster is the one without any of that. Now, still reading from Mr. Cotton's article, I now read a quote. Quote, sometimes they just get lost in the shuffle. End quote. The director of content for Top Door Soccer, Travis Clark, said. And according to Top Door Soccer, the same player that got lost in the shuffle four years ago with only three schools expressing any form of interest in him is now regarded as the second best player in the nation. No longer reading from Mr. Cotton's article, you probably know by now who that player is. His name is Andrew Gutman, number 15 for the Indiana Hoosiers. With a gleam in his eye that is understated, yet draws you in, I call him the best left back in the country. He might be the best player in the country, and he joins me next after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more. Welcome back to this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast, where we spend the entire show with one of the leading candidates to win the 2018 Mac Herman Trophy for men's division one soccer. That's the best player in the country and an honor that let's face it, doesn't usually go to a left back. In this case, it's a left back for the Indiana Hoosiers, Mr. Andrew Gutman, who leads the 11 and two Hoosiers with eight goals and four assists and 20 points. And Andrew joins me now. Mr. Gutman, number 15, thanks for being on the program. Thanks, Dean, for having me. Uh, always enjoy a good conversation with you. Well, I always enjoy it as well. And, Andrew, let's get back to my open and some of the words that Mr. Cotton wrote on the HoosierNetwork.com article. Now, you weren't the biggest recruit to ever land in Indiana, a place where a lot of the best players like to come. But there's no doubt you were going to be a Hoosier, right? I mean, you come from a long line of Hoosiers. 
including your dad, your grandfather, Phil, your grandmother, Carolyn Pickett Gutman, your aunt Gretchen, your other aunt, Carrie Hawk, your uncle Kurt and George Angelone. Your grandmother was a member of the IU board of trustees. You even have a brother, Philip, who's a Hoosier. So you knew you were going to be an Indiana Hoosier no matter what, didn't you? Yeah, I knew I was coming here. Um, I mean, obviously growing up, uh, you know, every fall we'd go to a couple football games in the winter. We would go to basketball games. Um, and, you know, one of the, the memories I had growing up was I think I was like eight or nine and somehow we snuck our way onto the basketball court after uh, Indiana won and we took pictures with all the basketball players and I just thought like it was the coolest thing. Um, so kind of from that moment on, I always knew that I wanted to go to Indiana and I think that you know, just the highly regarded soccer program made it that much more appealing to me. Now, what about this notion, Andrew, that you weren't one of the top 50 recruits, et cetera? What, did that stuff matter to you at all? No, not really. I mean, uh, obviously that article talks about how, um, you know, the first year that I joined the academy, I, I maybe played like a third of the games, and in those games I probably played about 10 minutes. So I, I always was kind of that underdog and had that little extra bite to me that I wanted to, you know, prove myself. And so the rankings never really meant that that much to me. It was more the fact if I can get to a certain place, you know, and when I got to the academy, I was like, okay, I'm there now. Now let's go to work and, and work my way up. So when I got to Indiana, I was like, okay, I'm here. Now let's work my way up a little bit and see, see what I can do. Knowing your love for the Hoosiers, I love that story about uh, getting down on the basketball court. How did you decide to pull the trigger and reach out to Indiana and the Yagleys? Um, it was actually my mom that uh, kind of forced me. Um, we were going down, I think it was uh, like freshman parents weekend or something for my brother who had just uh, gone down to Indiana for the fall. And, you know, my mom was like, well, why don't you email uh, the coaches and see if you can meet up with them and introduce yourself. And, you know, I was kind of nervous because at the time I, I really wasn't playing that much for the academy. And, um, and, you know, I just didn't think that it would work out. And so I emailed them kind of just as more of like, uh, hey, like I want to meet you guys, like, and, you know, just introduce myself. And I remember Coach Mays, uh, who's now at Ohio State, sent me an email back with the full itinerary of, like, a two-day trip. And I just remember, like, I had the biggest smile on my face. It was like a dream come true to me just for getting a recruiting visit to Indiana. And, Andrew, just so we're clear, it wasn't like you re were recruited as a left back, though, right? You were a forward for most of your youth days, correct? Yeah, I played uh, I played forward all the way up until, until I got to the academy. And then um, I remember it was, like, one of my – like second or third practices, we, we went into like an 11 v 11 scrimmage and my coach kind of just stuck me at left back because that was the only position that was left after he already put everyone else in the positions. And from there, I kind of just grew into the position. Now, to be perfectly clear, in order to learn the craft of playing left back, I understand, Andrew Goodman, that you sought out the best in the business and you did it the only way a kid your age knew how. You started modeling your game after Brazilian left back Marcelo. Tell us a little bit about how you did that. Uh, YouTube. Um, I mean, I still <laughs> to this day watch him on YouTube. Um, and not only him, just a bunch of the best, you know, left back, right backs in, in Europe. I just kind of watched them. And at first it was kind of learning how to play the position and, you know, 
create chances and defend. But then, like, it got to the point where I was like, well, I can still be effective on offense. You know, look at these guys doing it. And I always loved to score goals. When I was younger, I played forward and, you know, I'd go and try to score four or five goals a game. And so I just continued to watch YouTube clips and watch the movement, their moves and everything on, on how they created chances to score goals. And, I mean, just yesterday I was watching more YouTube videos on Marcelo. Like, I, I can watch him all day, every day. If you had a chance to meet Marcelo, and maybe you already have, I'm not sure, but uh, what would that be like, Andrew, to meet him? Uh, I have not met him yet, um, but it would be a dream come true. I mean, I have a jersey of his, and, like, I think it's the most important piece of clothing I have in my wardrobe. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, hopefully one day I can meet him somehow, some way. But, uh, yeah, definitely be a very special moment for me to meet him. Before we get more into your incredible three and a half years now, almost four at Indiana, how did the Chicago Fire Youth Academy help you, Andrew? Um, it helped me a lot. I think uh, in a couple ways. It was it was a bit of tough love. Um, you know, when you come from a youth, just a, you know, a, a local youth team, it's kind of somehow you know the coach, so there's a certain connection you have. But when I joined the academy, I, I had no idea who any of the coaches were. And, you know, it's, it's a much more business-like environment. And uh, so it's kind of it's cutthroat. But at the same time, they're still trying to develop you. And I think I really blossomed in that. I mean, uh, my head coach for the three years I was there was Larry Sunderland. And there, it was a lot of love-hate um, that I had with him. But at the end of the day, I think he, he was one of the main influences in, like, molding me to the player I am, um, along with Stan Anderson and uh, Victor Fernandez. Those guys were kind of the three – three coaches that really kept pushing me day in and day out and knew that, you know, some days it was going to be tough, but they knew that I had potential and they just kept pushing me. And I, I thank them every day for it. You know, just last week I was talking to Stan and I was telling him about how, how thankful I am for what he had done for me throughout my whole high school career to get to where I am today. Well, that's pretty special that you did that. All right. We're going to take a quick break and come back with more with Andrew Gutman who headed into the Butler game on Tuesday on the Big Ten Network, leading his Hoosiers with eight goals on the season, including both goals in a recent thriller over Maryland, including the winner in the final second. More with my main man, Andrew Gutman, when we come back. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap here with Andrew Gutman, who could be the Mac Herman Trophy winner this year in St. Louis, especially, especially, I think, if the Hoosiers make it all the way back to the College Cup where they were there last year, only to see heartbreak in the final minutes of that second overtime against Sanford. So, Andrew, let's talk right here, right now. I mean, you aren't a total surprise. First team All-Big Ten last year, second team All-Big Ten your sophomore year, All-Big Ten freshman team, and second team All-Big Ten in your initial campaign. So you've always been good, but this year it's been a different level of good. It's been amazing. 
So let's talk about some of these games this year, starting with your last game against Maryland. Two goals, Andrew, including one in the final seconds. How awesome was that to push your team to 11-2 and overall, 5-0 and in the conference, which, by the way, check this out, folks. The last time Indiana has actually lost a Big Ten game, actually lost it either regular season or postseason against a Big Ten opponent, was 33 games ago back in 2015. That's Andrew's freshman year, and that was on a controversial PK against Ohio State. Now that's how good Indiana has been. 33 straight in the Big Ten without an official loss, including postseason. But, Andrew, one of those 33 was that last game against Maryland. Tell us about that game, the first one, and then about the winner. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a special game. Um, I mean, uh, I almost could have had three goals, but I got called for a handball, um, which I still think was a little harsh. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean – it's just one of those games that just kind of shows what kind of team we are. We fight till the end and it's just a different mentality we have this year of, we don't think that we're going to either tie or lose a game. We always think we're going to win and we always think we're going to get one more chance. And, you know, with, I think it was 18 seconds left I scored. Most teams would kind of just play out and play for the overtime and, you know, just run out the clock to 18 seconds. But instead, you know, Frankie Moore won that ball and played a nice little combination with Rico to get in behind. And then Rico played a absolutely unreal ball. And I kind of just, you know, made that last second darting run just to get anything on it and, you know, redirected and went in. And, and I think that just shows what kind of team we are, that most teams right there would just play out the 18 seconds, but we think we can get one more chance and look what happens. We, we get the two one win and we're five and in the big 10 and, you know, we put ourselves in a fantastic position to, you know, win the big 10 this year. So it was just a special game for us. He's talking about Frankie Moore and Rico Reese Buckmaster. And I just did that Indiana Michigan game too, where again, we had to come on the air talking about number 15, Andrew Gutman, but then your right back Reese Buckmaster says, well, hold the bus. You know, I can also play a little bit over on the right side, left back, right back, both getting it done for the Hoosiers. Yeah, it's, uh, I joke about it, but I say that the outside backs are on the team. Um, but <laughs> I, 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 Rico's a special player. I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is. And, uh, you know, the Michigan game that finished was just clinical. First time about 18 yards out back post was an unbelievable finish. And then, you know, anyone who's an outside back or a wide player really would appreciate the service Rico played in that in my second goal in the Maryland game. I mean, I think he probably deserves more credit on that goal than I do. So he's a really good player. Indeed. Now, in that Maryland game, that's not the first time you've scored two goals in a game this year. You had two versus Wisconsin, and you might have had two against someone else. I'm not sure. But what's the deal with all of the goals and the assists, for that matter, this year I mean did you know this year I mean you just said it's right back the left back you guys are the bosses but did you know that you're going to get this many points uh this early um I made a point to myself um you know over the summer that if I'm going to be a leader on the team I need to impact the game every single time and whether that's defensively offensively you know something I have to be that guy that the team's going to look to 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 make plays and you know I think so far this year I've been doing pretty well I hit a couple games where I, I wasn't influenced the game quite as much as I would like. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I'm getting on the end of all these, these goals, but if you really watch the games, 
I'm not getting any of those goals without the movements of, you know, a Griffin Dorsey or a Justin Rennix or a Corey Thomas. The, the front guys are, are so hard to mark. And, you know, I think coach, I don't know if you've heard it, but coach calls it a short blanket. You can't, you can't mark all of us. And I'm just luckily the one <laughs> finding the back of the net right now, but it, it could honestly be anyone with how good of our movement is up top. Well, let's talk about the different teams you've been on here at Indiana, but let's talk about this team right now. I mean, eight different players, Andrew, have scored a goal. Of course, you lead the team with eight. Fifteen, fifteen different players have at least one point. What can you tell folks about this team? I mean, you kind of just touched on it, but fifteen different players have a point on this team. Yeah, it, it just goes back to what I just said about that short blanket. Is you, you never know who's going to step up and in a game, you know, I, before the Maryland game, I wrote on the board, who's going to step up today? Because it, it seems like every single game, someone else is stepping up. Like I stepped up against the Maryland game, you know, Rico stepped up in the Michigan game. Griff stepped up in the Northwestern game. Spencer Glass stepped up in the Penn State game. It, you, teams teams don't know who's going to, who's going to make the play on our team game in and game out. And I think that that's, what's going to separate us, you know, as we make this run into the season is, teams aren't going to be able to game plan because of all the different weapons we have. And the 15 players with the point is just an unreal stat. And coach talked about it yesterday in one of our meetings. It's, it's a special thing to have. And I think that that what makes us different and makes us an elite team in, in this country right now. Speaking of the elite team last year's run, you made it all the way to the championship game. So close to getting that ninth star. You lose Mason Toy. You lose Grant Lillard, who you've known forever. What can you tell us about that team and making it so far? Yeah, last year was a, it was a special year. Um, you know, Grant, as our captain last year, probably was the main reason why we made it so far. That, that guy was a beast in the back. Um, and then Mason, you know, coming in as, an, as a freshman and scoring 10 goals was – kind of unheard of um you know just as long as I've been in college soccer and you know I think his he was kind of a catalyst to our team where you know in some of the games where we we were kind of lacking he stepped up and you know I think just just everyone the mentality was so much different than what I had the first two years and we, we made a special run but I, I think there was just a couple couple key things missing in that in that team. And I think that this year uh, we've made it a focal point to, you know, figure those out a little bit and, and start to make another deep run, hopefully. If you're like me, it's not easy to remember things, but your sophomore year and your freshman year, who are a couple seniors on your sophomore year team and your freshman year team that still left an impact on you as you continue to develop as a Hoosier and a soccer player? Oh, God. Let's see. My freshman year, probably um, we had a fifth-year transfer come in named Ben Mowry, um, who was a striker. He was about 6'5 and um, well over 200 pounds. He was just a beast. Um, and I just remember, you know, he wasn't, wasn't the most skillful player, but his work ethic, you know, in practice in the gym was – was second to none. And I think that seeing that as a freshman come in, I think that was a major influence on how I, how I wanted to develop as a player and how serious I had to take it regardless of where I was. Um, and then my sophomore year probably was uh, Rich Ballard, who was, uh, again, a fifth-year senior. Um, he, won, he was on the team that won it in 12. And um, the thing I learned from him was just that – 
you know, you, you can never give up. His his career here was up and down. I mean, his freshman year, he played a lot during the national championship season. And then I think the, the following year, he got redshirted. Um, so that was just an up and down moment. And then he comes back in his fifth year, he gets on the all big 10 team and, you know, now he's playing for Louisville city playing professionally. And I, I think what I, what I learned from him most was just, if you have the mentality of being a winner, no one, no one's going to stop you and you're going to find a way to be successful. And I think that that's kind of his mentality. And that's what I took from him uh, my sophomore year. All right. I like those answers. Now I remember distinctly, meeting with you and Mason and Grant Lillard and Thomas and a couple other guys before you played in the championship game against Wisconsin for the Big Ten tournament. And there was no doubt seeing that twinkle in your eye that you were going to go pro. Like, I knew it. I wrote it down. I told everybody, he's going pro. He's ready. You could have turned pro. Instead, you decided to come back. Break down that whole decision, what came into play, and perhaps the influences the Yagleys made, both Todd and the Godfather. Yeah, I think um, I think you were right at the time. I think, you know, in my head I was, I was on such a high of how good we were doing and, and everything, and I thought that I was ready to make the jump. Um, but when I really sat down and, and looked at it and, you know, talked to my parents and, and – Todd and, and uh, Papa Yeggs and all that stuff. I just didn't think that I was ready mentally. And I think that um, both the Yeagleys kind of helped me reach that point was, I think the biggest thing was Todd asked me, uh, or he said to me, if, if you're itching to be a pro and you can honestly say that there's nothing else you want to do in your life is be a pro and handle the pro lifestyle and all that stuff, then you should go. But if you don't have that desire where you think that you can be successful, like as a pro right now, then you're not ready. And I think I was really honest with myself. And I said that I don't think at this point in my life, I was, you know, ready to, to handle the pro lifestyle. And, and that's not even talking about soccer in a sense. I think it's talking about the mentality you have to have of waking up every day, you know, training your best and it, it's literally going from you're playing soccer for fun your whole life to now this is your job and and you have an income and you know this is this is your source of of income for your your life basically and and that was one thing that I don't think that I was mentally ready to do and I think my dad was was really uh he's really detailed about that with me because my dad's obviously a business guy and he understands you know the money side of life and everything and I just didn't think that I was mentally ready to be able to step up and, and be like, look, I'm, I'm a grown up now. I have to, I have to take care of myself this way. And I think, I think it was the best decision I've made so far because I come back now and I think my mentality is, is totally different. And I, and hopefully after this year, I have another opportunity to, to go professional. And I think, you know, coming in December, I'm 20 times more ready than I was last December. Agreed on all fronts, and I kind of asked you this earlier, but I'll say it again as the last one before we go to break. How much did getting so close and losing to Stanford in overtime last year also play a role in coming back, Andrew? It's a lot. Um, that was that was probably the main soccer reason why I came back was this this program is all about winning and trophies and titles and leaving your legacy and, you know, for as good as the individual stats I've had, I, I haven't given anything back to the program. You know, I haven't won a trophy yet. And I didn't want my lasting memory to be the guy that was on the team that lost to Stanford in the, 
in the College Cup final when he had a year left. I think this year I have one more chance to really leave my mark on the program, and I'm, I'm trying to take full advantage of that and get three trophies this year. Okay, so Andrew Gutman is back to try and take home a ninth star for the Indiana Hoosiers. We'll ask him about that when we come back, and we'll ask him about what it would mean to, in fact, win the Matt Herman Trophy. And we'll also ask Andrew Gutman about what he thinks makes a good coach and perhaps things that he doesn't like about some coaching philosophies. I mean, this is United Soccer Coaches Podcast, after all, presented by Team Snap. Stay with us. United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Spending the entire show, that's right, we get one person this time because he's a star among stars, talking about number 15 for Indiana, Mr. Andrew Gutman. And Andrew, when we went to break, you talked about that ninth star at Indiana. You've been around the Yagleys and Indiana soccer for a long time now. It's all about those stars, right? Yeah, it's, it's all about trophies and titles here. I mean, you can win as many games as you want. You can post as many goals and all that stuff. But if if you don't get some sort of hardware to show for at the end of the season, it, it it's really almost a failure to the program. And I think that just speaks to so so highly about how this program is. Is you know if you don't win trophies, it what what is there to win? You know we we play for trophies. So if you don't win it, you know it's it's kind of a bust. It's a bust season. Uh, you've heard the hype. I know you listen to some of our broadcasts. I call you the best left back in the country every chance I get. I said book your ticket to St. Louis for the Mac Herman Trophy final presentation there. What do those words mean to you, and do you get caught up in the attention just a little bit? Um, well, first of all, those words, um, they do mean something to me. I mean, being considered as one of the best college players in the country does uh, does mean a lot to me just for how hard I've worked. Um, and I'll be honest, my mom and my sister really kind of feed my ego a lot with just how excited they are that, you know, I get all this publicity and stuff. But, uh, you know, my dad and my brother kind of level me down and bring me back to earth. Um, so I don't think I get caught in it too much. I mean, you know, we'll be at family dinners when my uh, whole family comes into town for the game. And my mom and sister will be just like in awe about these articles and stuff coming out about me. And then, you know, my dad will just kind of say something. And then my brother will be like, oh, well, you know, why didn't you score with your right foot there? You know, why didn't you do this or that? And <laughs> it, it's it's a good balance. It's a good, uh, it, it does keep me grounded. And I really, I really enjoy it because I, I do like that. It makes my mom and my sister very happy, but at the same time, I, I also enjoy getting a little bit of uh, a banter from my, my dad and my, my brother. <laughs> I always enjoy Frankie Moore. He seems to always have a good time. Uh, what about Frankie Moore and the gang? Do they pick on you at all about all the love and attention you're getting right now? Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, you know, it's when uh, we'll be at practice and, you know, Roby will be giving a coaching point to me and, you know, I'll be listening and then Frankie will come in and be like, whoa, 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 don't, don't talk to the Matt Herman trophy candidate like that. You know, so the whole team, the whole team has a good, uh, a good little joke with it. And I live with Frankie and Trevor Schwartz and some of the guys and, you know, after a game we'll come back and they'll like, after I'll, maybe I scored a goal or something and they'll kind of come back and just kind of make fun of me and, 
it's, it's all in good fun. I really enjoy it. I think, I think the whole team kind of enjoys that we have this, uh, this little joke that we can make. All right, let's talk a little bit about coaching. You know, you're at Indiana, coached by Todd Yegley. He's already got a natty. He's got one of those eight stars. He's the son of the godfather, Jerry Yegley, who is a dear, dear friend to the United Soccer Coaches, pre- previously named NSCAA. Brian Mazenoff for three of your years, now Roby, Kevin Ropes, and now Danny O'Rourke, and probably even the godfather himself, who I just talked about. You've been around a lot of coaches. Explain their approach in Indiana land and how it has helped you grow as a player and as a person. Yeah, um, I'll start with the godfather first. Um, you know, he's around every practice. Um, he drives up in his white Lincoln, you know, right up to the field and kind of just parks there and, and sits outside the, the field and just watches his train. Um, the thing that I've learned most about him is – he doesn't really say much to you um, just in terms of like coaching points, but he, when he does say something to you, it, it, it leaves a lasting impact on you. And I think that that speaks to the type of person he is and, you know, the type of coach that he was, was that he, he's very, I don't know what the word is. He's very smart with what he says to you. And when he does say it to you, it makes you think. And over my three and a half years here, I, I think I've learned an incredible amount from him just by, the very, very small conversations we had. And I think that's kind of him knowing that he's not the coach anymore, but at the same time knowing that he can still, you know, help this program out a lot. And if you ask any player on the team, all of them would really, really enjoy the little moments that they share with the godfather because he is, he does know what he's talking about and he gives you fantastic advice. Um, In terms of Todd, who's my head coach right now, um, he's a phenomenal coach. I couldn't speak highly, more highly of him. Um, you know, I came in to Indiana as a very raw player and I think that he's, he's kind of molded me and created me into a better and better and better player each year. And that's just in terms of, you know, we spoke about it earlier in the show about some of the success I've had this year, but you know, every time I do something well, he always has something that I could have done better. You know, I could have made a a pass better. I could have made a decision defensively better here. And, and I think that that just speaks to the type of coach he is that no matter how good you play, you can always improve. And I, I love that about him. And I think that that really what's drive me drives me is, you know, always trying to learn another thing from him and always trying to get better and better. And I, I hope one day he can tell me I played a perfect game, but I, I don't know if that will ever come. Um, and then I think, you know, with Mays leaving um, last year was definitely a tough decision because you know, anyone that knows U.S. soccer knows that Mays was a, like a legend when he played, and he still is. And I think it's just what I've learned from him is kind of the same thing with, with Todd is they're never satisfied. And as a young player, you can never really be satisfied with, with your game. You're always wanna, you always want to look for improvement. And I think that Mays was, was really good at that, was really good at reading some of the plays that you, like you did well in, but there's always a better option to do and having him gone was definitely a huge hole in the program I know a lot of guys on the team um, really missed him and you know we still miss him to this day he was just a very very great coach that I had Um, Roby same thing you know I think I've learned a lot from him he's a younger coach you can kind of relate to him more Um, so you have a, a better you know 
it's almost more of like a friendship relationship, but he's, he's really smart with how he does it because he'll, he'll be your friend, but he'll, he'll also give you coaching points. And he's kind of a guy that maybe if you're a little down on the day, he'll, he'll get you back up. He's just, he's a, a blessing to be around and he's so energetic and I, he's a great coach too. Um, and then the new one, Danny, um, it, he kind of, his, his history kind of speaks for himself. I mean, he played, I think 11 or 12 years in the pros and, if you come to Indiana, more likely than not, you want to aspire to be a pro. And I think he gives you a phenomenal insight on what you need to do, you know, physically, mentally, as a soccer player on how how to be a pro. And I think, you know, Todd and Mays, they played pro. But I think having Danny as a coach around here, you know, has played in the MLS more recently is is a phenomenal addition because he, he gives you that that little insight on what you need to do to take your game to the next level and really make it in the MLS or anywhere professionally. So I think just the whole Indiana coaching staff as a whole is put together so well. And I think it shows by the consistent success that this program's had. And any other coaches or mentors that have had a big influence on your life? Yeah. Um, I spoke to it a little bit um, earlier in the show was, was my Academy coaches and, you know, even when I was deciding on whether to go pro or not, I called my academy coach, Larry, and I probably had an hour conversation with him on the phone. And, you know, we went through it all and kind of came to a decision a little bit. And he agreed with me on a lot of things. Um, and he was a major influence, too, on why I decided to come back. Um, and then my other two coaches, Stan Anderson and Victor Fernandez, um, you know, Victor, I'm best friends with his son. And he he's one of those coaches that – was just really, really hard on me, but knew that I could take it. And, you know, he kept pushing me, kept pushing me. And then once he started to see my improvements, he was very complimentary of me. And, you know, I still talk to him. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He texted me a happy birthday and we just kind of caught up. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things where I've had so many great coaches in my life and I don't want to lose the connections I've had with them. So I try to keep in contact with them because I know every time I talk to them, I can learn something from them and I can improve not only in soccer, but in life, too. They just, it's just great life lessons to continue to have. Now, Andrew, what style or kind of coach is not for Andrew Goopman? There might be a certain style that doesn't exactly fit with you. I think it'd just be a coach that doesn't really want you to get better. I mean, if I can kind of handle any style of coach, any system, anything, as long as they're willing to help me get better in any way that they do it, I think that that kind of just is what I want in a coach is someone that's going to be there and not kind of like, just tell me I'm good. Just tell me a way I can improve. Always something one day, tell me something that I can get better at something that I didn't do well, something that someone's better at than me. And I think if I have a coach like that, then I can, I can be under any coach. Uh, we talk a lot on this program about how coaches should communicate with players. I'm going to flip that switch on you, and I'm going to say, Andrew, how should a player communicate with his coach? And I ask you this in two phases. One, with a player like you at a very high elite level, and then maybe a player who's trying hard to crack the lineup but just can't seem to make headway, doesn't quite know how to communicate with his coach to understand how he can break into the lineup. Yeah, um, I think the first thing is the player should always respect the coach, whether he likes him or not. I think that there's a, there's an unspoken respect that the player has to have for the coach and, you know, his philosophy. Um, in terms of someone like me who's been a consistent starter, um, I think the biggest thing is 
and even with someone that's trying to break into the lineup with the coach, is just be honest with the coach and, you know, in a way that, that will not disrespect them. So if you're, if, if you're not playing and you want to know why, just ask your coach for a meeting and kind of just be like, what do I need to get better to kind of break the starting lineup? Or, you know, maybe it's not even you. Maybe it's just someone in front of you is playing so well that he kind of just has to go with them. So I think just the open communication in a respectful manner is, is the best way to talk to any kind of coach. And I think a lot of coaches will respond positively to that because it shows a lot of maturity in the young player, you know, asking to get better and wanting to get better. I told you Andrew Gutman's the real deal, and I wasn't lying. We're going to take one more break and then to do, just do some rapid-fire questions with Andrew Gutman to wrap up the show. It's the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more. Welcome back. Dean Linky with Andrew Gutman, left back for the Indiana Hoosiers, trying to chase down a Big Ten title in their ninth overall national championship. Quick bullet questions for Andrew as we wrap up the show. And here we go, Andrew. You ready? Yep. All right, number one, what has to go right for Indiana to win that ninth star we keep talking about? Um, a couple things. We have to stay healthy. We have to continue to be uh, a very attack-minded and score a lot of goals, and our defense has to make sure that we get more shutouts. We haven't been getting a lot of shutouts this year. Who is the toughest Big Ten player you have had to mark in your four years? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, Probably Dewan Jones from Michigan State, just with you know how quick he is and how tricky and agile he is. Um, I always enjoy that matchup though because he always brings out the best defensively for me. That matchup could to decide who wins the Big Ten title. It's the last Big Ten game of the season for both teams. Three. Who is the toughest player outside of the Big Ten you have had to mark? And that means other college games or maybe during your time with the Fire. Um, well, if it was with the fire, probably Bastian Schweinsteiger. Um, but in terms of college, my, my freshman year, I played, uh, Jack Harrison at Wake Forest. Um, and he was probably the hardest guy I've ever had a mark in college, just with how quick he was, how smart he was and agile and everything. He was, he was pretty good. In your four years at Indiana, who's the toughest Hoosier player you've had to mark in practice? Um... Honestly, probably Frankie Moore. He's not the fastest or the quickest, but he's probably one of the meaner guys on the field in terms of just bodying you and just being a, a winner and grinding things out. That's, that's always a matchup that I never enjoyed in, uh, in practice. What was it like playing three of your years at Indiana with Grant Lillard, who you also went to high school with, and you sat right next to on the field? Um, it was definitely special. I think I took advantage of how good he was. Um, just that kid is a beast in the back and hopefully that he continues to do well professionally and hopefully one day we can play together again. If you could play any other sport professionally, what would it be and why? Golf. Um, I really enjoy golf and my dad and my brother really enjoy golf. So I think it'd be a good, uh, a good family, family thing to have going for us. And 
you know, golfers always get to go to nice warm places and, and sit in country clubs on the weekend. So that's always nice. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And they hang around some beautiful people too. That's for sure. Yeah. No that's, about that's it. You said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you don't play professional soccer, what will Andrew Gutman be doing? Coaching soccer or working on the business side in soccer, you know, somehow keeping my feet, you know, in the door with soccer. I think I've, the game's been a part of me for too long, and I think it, it kind of is a big part of who I am, and I don't ever see myself leaving the sport in, in some way. If I had a boat, you'd get mine. Hopefully someday I will have a boat. But if you do win the Mac Herman Trophy, Andrew Gutman, who are the top five people you want to thank? Um, I'll probably group these so I can name more than top five. My whole family, um, that includes extended family because they – text me before and after every single game. Um, you know, the whole Indiana coaching staff and not even the coaching staff, but just everyone involved in the IU soccer program in terms of my strength and conditioning coach and, you know, the gear people, the trainers, all that stuff. And then, um, you know, my, my academy coaches in high school who really laid the foundation for the, the player I am today. Now, if you do win it, where will you keep it? Where will it be? Uh, that's a good question. I probably will just keep it in my room, but I'm sure my mom would want to display it somewhere in our house because it would probably be a good conversation starter for when she has people over. Tell us one thing about Andrew Gutman that nobody knows. Can't find it in your bio. Nobody knows it. Um, I really enjoy shoes, and I, I like collecting shoes. If you didn't pick Indiana, where would you have played college soccer? Uh, that's a tough one. Um I don't know if I would have played college soccer. Um, probably Notre Dame because my dad really likes the business school there and the network that you have outside of college. So I probably would have tried to get into Notre Dame and play. How many times has Frankie Moore bragged about that goal he scored last year in the Big Ten tournament? Um, well, he hasn't saved on his phone, if that tells you the amount of times. Um, kind of any <laughs> – Anytime he can talk about it, he'll talk about it. Who's the funniest Hoosier on this team and funniest Hoosier of all time? Um, I could probably answer this both with one person, Justin Rennix. He's my locker buddy, and that, that dude is pretty funny. I'll, I'll have to admit that. Finally, 15 years from now, if you had to pick what will Andrew Gutman will be doing, and if it happens, what will he be doing 15 years from now if you're not playing soccer? If I'm not playing soccer, um, hopefully starting my coaching career. Um, you know, I've so already kind of started to figure out how to get my coaching's license, and I, hopefully one day I can be a, be a coach. All right. That is Andrew Gutman. Love the way you play the game, my man. Keep it going, and good luck the rest of the season. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you to Andrew Gutman. Thank you to Dr. Scott Burns, the fine SID for Indiana men's soccer. Thank you to Dr. Dilly, Billy Proctor, Big Ten Network producer extraordinaire. Thank you to Eddie Cotton and the HoosierNetwork.com. Thank you to Franco Francis Drake for putting this show together. And thank you to Sean Chevrolet, Mike Knipper, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. We'll see you next week, same time, same channel, for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.